Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown. Where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music, the tall tales, true stories, and current goings-on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter and swim buck-naked in summer. Welcome to episode 42 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom along with the rest of the crew and this month we're pleased to present our special fun drive show. Our musical guest is Slip Me Five. We'll listen to an interview and hear some of their music. Rachel Perry shares another tall tale and Kathy Anderson shares information about the Indiana Arts Commission. Dave Seastrom weighs in on the fun drive. And Pam Rader shares her perspective on the history of the suffragettes. And Rick Fettig brings us some wildlife observations. We begin the show with our interview with Slip Me Five, and we'll hear one of their tunes. Slip Me Five with us, and we just listened to a tremendous set of music. These guys are 30s, 40s, retro, hillbilly swing, I think we decided, and uh, just absolutely fantastic music. And what the radio audience doesn't know is how decked out they are. <laughs> and I'm looking at a fedora, bright red dress, I mean, neckties, suspenders. These guys are really flashy. First off, we've got Lulu Claudel. She's also known as Martha Burton, but her stage name, Lulu, kind of personifies what she's going for. Yeah, it's it, French. It's French. <laughs> that, there you go. And, and that French just adds something, doesn't it? Yeah. How do you think of that? It's French. It just sums it up. Well, and then there's Lucky O'Byrne, and he's also known as Cliff Gammon. And he and Murder kind of the, the spiritual center of the group, I would say. Is that about right, Cliff? Yep. We started singing duos together, and uh, we had to add an upright bass and at least a fiddle and some other instruments. It sounds great, doesn't it? It does. We think of them as our lyrical center. Your lyrical, lyrical center. center. Well, that would have been Ron Midnight, who uh, is also known as Patrick Kellen. He's upright bass, and uh, he's the man in the fedora right now. And then we also have Lunch Meat Landu, which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love your monikers. Uh, Michael Lendu, who is the fiddle player and also quite dapper this evening. So welcome to the studio, guys. Uh, talk about how you got started with this band and why this particular genre of music. Lucky and I started singing and playing together. I was singing around the house and he said, hey, let's do it together. So we started doing that and we did a couple gigs as a duo. Uh, that was about a year and a half ago and then we added these fellas nine months ago. It's clear you're having fun. I'm sure your audience does too. I know we did in the studio. Yeah, we noticed you're boogieing in place. Yeah, well, that's all I'm allowed to do. Unfortunately, <laughs> on the radio, it doesn't appear to be unattractive, so. <laughs> 
So uh, where to from here? I mean, you're, you're doing some gigs. I know you've done some farmer's market stuff, and you're looking for more work. Uh, yes, we're looking for gigs. I'm going to start doing some booking. Don't have a website yet because it's 1934, but... <laughs> right, they were still doing... Or a Facebook page because yeah. we don't know what Facebook is, but seriously, we're going to work on that. Uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of us, you can email me at slipme5 at gmail.com. That's five spelled out. Talk about the music. I mean, why this genre? Why, what, what started this? Is this you, Cliff? Uh, She's pointing at you. I, I was trying to play Western Swing about 15 years ago. and I guess Bob the, Wills and all that? Yeah, but the band I was in kicked me out to play country, so <laughs> I thought that was about the end of my swing and you, days. You started the band, right? And they kicked you out? Yeah. So I didn't think I'd have a chance. And then, you know, I met Martha, I mean, met Lulu here. We, uh, we both like swing and we both like that early dance stuff. And then we started playing it and... It's, it's hard finding uh, soloists and people that can play this kind of music because it's, it's almost jazz. It's a little bit complicated, so... Clarinet. We could use a clarinet. clarinet. <laughs> we use a clarinet. Well, you know, a little, piano. a little Bob Wills would fit right in with what you guys Yeah. Do. Well, yeah, I, I play steel guitar, Hawaiian steel guitar, but, you know, we need a bigger Maybe. band before it'll come in mm -hmm. place. Whatever makes, makes you tap your foot and dance, and that's what we like. Well, uh, you guys were all dancing. It looked great. <laughs> so, Michael, you were a white lightning boy. Still am. I'm a hired weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ron Midnight, what's some of your background? Oh, my goodness. I, I've been a professional musician for 50 years now. And in that time, I think I have played every kind of music there is except klezmer. And I'm waiting for that band to come along. There you go. Right now, I'm also That's playing with the Helver Sisters. Previous to this, I was in a, uh, a band that did a lot of this kind of material electrically. Played pedal steel in that band. You can play 12 different instruments, we're told. Well, so can you. 11. <laughs> 11 so. I'm teaching him the 12th one. Yeah. yeah. The juice harp keeps breaking. What about, what about, what about you, Lunchman? Do you focus on the fiddle? or? Do you I focus on the fiddle, but I can also play a number of instruments. Okay. Know? So this is what happens over a lifetime, and you just keep playing, and everything falls into place like that. Right. The longer you play, the more opportunities you have to broaden your horizons and play more styles of music. And if you're a true musician, that's what it's all about. It's not getting locked into a single style. It's branching out and exploring everything you can in the limited time you have here to do it. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> that's right. No that's what Duke said. That's what no Duke, need yeah. getting stuck in a genre. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for coming in. It was an absolute pleasure. Love your music, you guys. The look, the sound. It's a complete package. Uh, all I can say is... Do you all come back now you're here? Yeah, you yeah. all come back now you're here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks for really. It's been swell. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. 1935, Frank Oller Music and Joe Young Lyrics. Sit right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you I'm gonna write words oh so sweet They're gonna knock me off my feet Kisses on the bottom I'll be glad I've got them I'm gonna smile and say I hope you're feeling
brings us another tall tale entitled The Unreported Escape from the Old Log Jail. And we'll hear another song from Slip Me Five. The Unreported Escape from the Old Log Jail and The Story Behind the Two-Headed Calf by Rachel Berenson Perry. Back in the early days, most Brown County farmers eked out a living plowing and cultivating hilly crops using a mule, if they were lucky. But toiling on the land and looking at a mule's behind were not to the taste of one Sam Parks, who was always looking for an angle. Sam's daddy said, Sam ain't a bit afraid of work. He'll lay down and take a nap right next to it. When Sam got some years on him and learned about politics, he discovered that the post of sheriff came with a free house and required no prior training. He had no trouble getting elected since he was well acquainted with the vices of the county, being a heavy drinker and gambler himself. He served two terms with the philosophy that only one eye and one ear should be used to monitor folks. He was appreciated for his benevolent handling of moonshiners who made corn whiskey known as White Mule for its rambunctious kick. Though few people got locked up back then, convicted criminals were housed in the famous two-story log jail known for its fail-safe system of securing prisoners. The walls were built of two layers of 18-inch hewn logs, with the outer layers stacked in the conventional horizontal pattern and the inner logs erected vertically. 
The only entrance was an outside stairway leading to the second story. When a man went to jail, he had to climb down a rope ladder through a trap door in the upstairs floor. Then the ladder was hoisted up by the jailer. According to authorities, only two prisoners managed to escape from the log jail, both allegedly with outside help. Well, I'm here to tell you about the third escape, which never made it into the history books. Unfortunately, there was a two-term limit for sheriff's position, and Sam grudgingly returned to his farm near Elkinsville for several years. On a bottomland farm nearby, the youngest daughter of Mortimer Kelly, named Abby, had married into the McNeil clan. Clint McNeil traveled a lot since he was a circuit rider, but Abby mostly stayed on the farm. One Saturday, when early morning fog laid like cotton in the hollows and barn swallows screamed at black snakes, she drove a buckboard into Nashville to pick up a crate of baby chicks from the post office. It happened that a rounder called Scrapper lounged near the liar's bench and Abby, in her soft cotton shift, caught his eye. He sauntered over to her, licking his horseshoe mustache. Well, hello, Missy. I ain't Missy, I'm a missus, and you better scram along. But her lively retort only piqued Scrapper's interest, and he put on his best behavior. Begging your pardon, he said with a little bow, I'm new around here and reckon I don't know much. Could you help me find a place to lay my head? Abby looked into his liquid brown eyes, and her heart fluttered. Well, we got a hayloft, but my man's a preacher, so you'd best keep scarce in daylight. Scrapper found his way to the McNeil place, keeping Abby's warning in mind. He made a bed among the dusty rafters and slept like somebody with a clear conscience. Before morning sun gilded the ridgetops, he heard Abby call in the cow for milking with her high-singing yodel. She positioned the pail and leaned in to squeeze full udders. But the cow was an ornery beast, and after a few squirts, she kicked her hind leg forward, upsetting the pail. Darn your sorry hide, Abby swore. Scrapper scuttled down from the loft and winked at the girl. I got a cure for grouchy cows, he said, as he poured a little white meal into a pan of sweet feed. The cow lapped it up like a baby takes to sugar water, and she allowed Abby to milk her with no more fuss. The moonshine bribes became regular during milking, but one day Abby's cow met a neighborhood Angus bull who found his way through the brambles. In the muggy twilight, before the whippoorwills chant, Abby and Scrapper watched the two bovines consummate their marriage. It wasn't like it hadn't come to mind before, but Scrapper took Abby's hand. What do you say you come to the hayloft? He asked in a whisper as he blew into her ear. She didn't dawdle as she climbed up the wooden ladder after him. It's a wonder they didn't set the barn afire when Abby let her hair down. And once she got the taste of more than the missionary position, she got greedy. She started creeping into the loft most every night. Things were good for a while on the McNeil place. Abby stopped morning milking to await the calf. Scrapper found a shack halfway up Browning Mountain and set up his own moonshine business, even more lucrative since the official prohibition. 
All winter long, he slunk down the hill to meet Abby, even though the thrill was fading. In early spring, Abby's cow circled herself like a dog finding his bed and laid down to give birth. When Abby came to the barn in the morning, she knew it had happened, but something was muddled. When the baby calf bawled, it came out in stereo. The dad blamed thing was had two heads. It's a sign, Abby thought. I'd done her wrong with that white mule. About this time, the citizens of Brown County had had their fill of incorruptible law enforcement, and then they re-elected Sam Parks for sheriff. He won handily since he told folks that if they would vote for him, he'd pay them what he owed them. Meanwhile, Wanderlust stole into Scrapper's head, and he started contemplating a change in scenery. Take me with you, Abby implored. I done wrong, and it's too late to make it right. Well, the runaway couple barely made it to Spencer before a posse of McNeil brothers snared them near the Yellow Tavern and brought Abby back to Nashville. They let Scrapper wander away, since men were rarely held accountable in these situations. Put that Jezebel in jail, Clint McNeil ordered, where shall rot in hell. To prevent a repeat escapade, they decided to place her in the second floor of the old log jail. Sam Parks could keep an eye on her there, even though the two-story building had outlived its purpose. A new, less rustic jail had been built behind the courthouse, and Sam nursed an idea for making money off the obsolete log jail. Some say he was the first native Brown Countyan to realize that profits could be made by promoting the county's quaintness. His scheme to convert the log jail into a pioneer museum of relics and oddities was well known to his constituents who petitioned against it. We don't want city slickers coming down here to laugh at us, a protester explained. That Hornberger fellow does enough harm with his lying newspaper stories. Well, you may have heard about the Brown County prisoner who worked in the daytime and locked himself back in the old log jail at night. Abby had a reverse plan in mind. When Sheriff Parks brought her her fried biscuits in the morning, she tested out her idea. How about you and me make a deal, she asked in a coaxing voice. Sam perked up his ears like a cat under a bird feeder. Why don't you let me have the key? I promise to be in here every morning before daylight, Abby proposed. She'd heard Scrapper's whistle the night before and knew he had waited. What's in it for me, Sam asked. Well, you know that museum you're fixing to open? I got the perfect thing to make city folks' eyes bug out. A two-headed calf. I'll swap it for the key. The sheriff didn't ponder long. He made the swap even though the poor deformed creature had expired and had to be stuffed. Abby kept her word for a while, staying in jail during the day, but she'd had a taste of the wide world and ended up running off again. They never did find her, and Scrapper disappeared into thin air. Some say she lived on in Posey County growing watermelons. But Sam Parks didn't worry a bit. He opened the museum and showed the two-headed calf along with whiskey stills and rattlesnake skins. Within two years, he'd taken in $1,200 in dimes. This is a song by Duke Ellington, 1931. Irving Mills wrote the lyrics. 
good as music If it ain't possessing something sweet It ain't the melody, it ain't the music There's something else that makes the song complete It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing Do I, 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 do I Well, it don't mean a thing, all you got to do is sing it makes no difference if it's sweet or hot Just take that rhythm, give it everything you got It don't mean a thing, all you got to do is sing Do I, 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 do I Kathy Anderson gives us some information from the Indiana Arts Commission. Dave Seastrom shares his thinking about fundraising, and Slip Me Five brings us another classic. This is Kathy Anderson. I'm a resident of Brown County, an Indiana Arts Commissioner, and a commissioner for the Nashville Arts and Entertainment Commission. And I'm here tonight to talk about the Indiana Arts Commission and the Bicentennial Commission and the initiatives that have been funded now by the legislature uh, related to the arts and the Bicentennial. The first one I'd like to talk about is Indiana Masterpiece Grants, which is a program that will allow between Five and $20,000 to be given to 501c3 organizations for presentation of a grand project that will cover the history of Indiana in some way. The deadline for this grant has already passed. I know at least two organizations in Brown County have applied for this grant. The second grant is Arts in the Park. This is a grant for projects for between $500 and $3,000 to do projects in state parks in Indiana. Artists, musicians are asked to apply and organizations can also apply. The deadline for that is September 9th for organizations and September 14th for artists. Anyone who has a creative idea to do an art project in the park, engage people who are in the park in the arts, is welcome to apply. 
You can go to the Indiana Arts Commission website for information and application for that project at iac.in.gov. I also just want to talk about a couple of other initiatives that are coming up related to the bicentennial. Next year is the biennial Governor's Arts Awards celebration. Next year is going to be probably a little bit bigger deal because of the bicentennial. It's going to be at Butler University. Artists are being sought to apply to design an award for the Governor's Arts Award, the actual physical award itself. And artists are invited to use and will be required to use a piece of Indiana's constitutional elm, which was an elm tree that was in Corridan, Indiana. It's an elm tree that was outside the log cabin that the legislators were working in. And one day they were working and it was so hot they decided to go out and sit under the tree. So it became well known around Indiana as Indiana's constitutional elm. It died in 1925 and it has been cherished and preserved. Now it cannot be saved anymore and it has been taken down and artists are invited to use a piece of the elm tree to create the award. There are so many things going on for the Bicentennial. I hope you'll listen and watch for all the different events that will be available to us next year in 2016. This is Kathy Anderson. Enjoy the arts. These days, it seems everybody wants our money. We're constantly harangued in the media and even in our own homes by those who want to make a buck at our expense. This is what makes volunteer-powered community radio different. We don't do this for the money. The Brown County Hour doesn't exist in a vacuum. We are a small part of a big family known as WFHB. We appreciate the support you've shown us in the past, and it's our pleasure to bring you a new show every month. Even though we and our contributors donate our time to produce this show and all of the news and music programming, it costs money to make it happen. I've been listening to the station since the beginning on Radio Ridge, and I can't imagine life without WFHB. If you're a longtime listener, I bet you feel the same way. You know, if there were a slot on the side of your radio where you had to put a quarter in every time you tuned in, we wouldn't be asking you for your dollars. And maybe that's the issue. Commercial-free WFHB comes to you without any obligation on your part to support it. We ask for your support, but you're free to ignore us and listen anyway. We're glad that you tune in. In fact, that's why we do the work it takes to make this show. What we're asking you is to up your ante and become a member of the family. No one forces us to leave a tip at the restaurant. We do this because we appreciate the service and because it's the right thing to do. I don't mind paying my fair share. I accept this as the price of admission. If I enjoy or benefit from something, I feel obligated to share the support. For a not-for-profit corporation powered by volunteers with a tiny paid staff, it costs a surprising amount of money to keep the station on the air. It's no surprise that the people who volunteer their time to produce the music and news shows that you enjoy also give money to the station. We do this because we believe in the mission statement and because we love the unique programming we can find nowhere else. 
Every dollar I've donated to the station has paid me back a hundredfold in entertainment, information, and companionship. As I go about my day, I enjoy the music I'm experiencing, whether it's on a weekday music mix show, the Saturday Americana lineup, or the Sunday World Music Show. I also appreciate the shows that represent the cultural diversity of our community. Technically, we're part of the award-winning news department, and we're proud to be associated with them. Our mission is a bit different. We seek to inform the listeners about what makes Brown County unique, but we're primarily an entertainment show. The Brown County Hour is a perfect example of the diverse programming on WFHB. In the five years we've been on the air, we've brought you poets, musicians, artists, and elders from the community. We've also brought in knowledgeable forest scientists and activists to discuss the new state forest plan and its potential impact on the ecology. We seek to share the magic and wonder of our community with a listening audience in a way that includes you in the fun. Twice a year, we come to you with hat in hand to ask you to support what we do. If you enjoy our show and the other fine productions on WFHB, please consider donating some of your hard-earned dollars to keep us on the air. Thank you for your consideration. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. Hit That Jive Jack, 1941 was the first recording, written by John Alston and Skeets Tolbert. It's popularized by Nat King Cole Trio. Till I get back Going downtown to see a man And I ain't got time to shake your hand Hit that jive jack Put it in your pocket till I get back Tie the tide, waits for no man And I ain't got time to shake your hand Standing on the corner All full of jive But you know I'm full But you hope to slip me five body out of Sleep that jive jack Going in your pocket till I get back Going downtown See your man and ain't got time to shake your hand. Slip that tie, Jack. Do the bucket till I get back. Going downtown to see your man and ain't got time to shake your hand. Hit that tie, Jack. Put it in your pocket till I get back. Time and tide wakes for no man and ain't got time to shake your hand. Ten on the corner, all full of jive. But you know, give you four, you're supposed to slip me five, body yada. Hit that jive, Jack. Put it in your pocket till I get back. Going downtown to see your man, and ain't got time to shake your hand. Put it in your pocket. Hit that jive jack, put it in your pocket. Hit that jive jack, put it in your pocket. Hit that jive jack, put it in your pocket. Hit that jive jack, put it in your pocket. Hit that jive jack, put it in your pocket. Hit that jive
Maria Pupade, Maria Pupade, Maria Pupade, Maria Pupade. Hit that tide, put in the pocket till I get back. Come on, get down for your minute. Ain't got time, ain't got time, ain't got time to shake your hands or put it in your pocket till I get back. Hit that jive jack. Pam Rader begins the last segment with her essay about the suffragettes. We have the community calendar. Rick Fetig identifies a rare amphibian found in Brown County. And we close the show with another tune from Slip Me Five. August 26, 2015 was the 95th anniversary of the congressional passage of the 19th Amendment giving women the right to vote. By August 18, 1920, the required number of states had ratified the amendment and it was signed into law. In honor of this anniversary, several Indiana League of Women Voter members traveled back east to learn about the suffragette movement and the individuals who devoted their life to making the 19th Amendment possible. The suffragette movement and the abolitionist struggle were inextricably linked, as both identified with each other's plight. Indeed, these were worldwide movements as the trajectory of human history bends toward advancing the rights of all people. Although the suffragette movement involved large numbers of people, the two most credited with its early growth and successes in America were Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, both of whom homes we visited. An unlikely team, Anthony never married and chose to devote her life to traveling and campaigning for both causes. Stanton, on the other hand, was a wife and mother of seven children. Stanton said of their partnership, I forged the thunderbolts and she fired them. The right of women to vote was first seriously proposed at a women's rights convention in Seneca Falls, New York, 1848. Although an amendment was presented by Anthony and others to 40 consecutive sessions of Congress, it took 72 years from the Seneca Convention to the passage of the 19th Amendment. Neither of these two women lived to see the amendment passed. By then, slavery had long since been outlawed. The suffragette movement had grown large and attracted younger, more activist sorts of advocates. Before the amendment was passed, many women were arrested and held chained in cells while those who fasted were violently force-fed before finally being released over public outrage. 1920 was the first U.S. election after the passage of the 19th Amendment in which women in all 48 states had the right to vote. It took until 1980s for women to turn out in the same numbers as male voters. Still housed in the Brown County Courthouse vault is the 1920 Women's Voters Registration Book. The first three women to vote in Brown County signed the books by September 1920 in order to vote in the November elections. I wonder how that first woman, Ethel Anderson, felt signing the book. I am told that husbands had to sign giving their permission to let wives vote. 
Less than 70 years later, the chief magistrate of our county was, and still is, a woman, Judge Judith A. Stewart. Many women now hold elected positions in our county government. This is Pam Rader for the Brown County Hour. Welcome to the community calendar for the month of September. On Monday the 7th, the History Center will host their monthly dinner at 6.30. Jim Glass will be speaking on preserving Brown County heritage. Thursday the 10th at 2 p.m., there's a yoga event at the T.C. Steele Historical Site. On Friday the 11th, there's an opening reception to the Art Colony Weekend from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the History Center in Nashville. Saturday the 12th is the Art Walk in downtown Nashville, and on the same day is the annual Great Outdoor Art Contest at T.C. Steele. On Sunday the 13th from noon to 1.30, there's a panel discussion at the Playhouse on people who knew artists or wrote about them. Be sure to join the Brown County Hour team on Saturday the 19th for the We Care Gang NASHCAR Outhouse Race. On Saturday the 26th, the Chateau Thomas Winery will host another Partake event. The Farmer's Market at St. David Episcopal Church in Bean Blossom is from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. every Friday. And the History Center is open Tuesday through Friday from 1 to 4. The Pioneer Village is open Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4. And the archives are also open from 1 to 4 p.m. on Tuesdays and Fridays. This has been the Brown County Community Calendar for September 2015. And here's Rick Fettig with an environmental update. We recently had a gentleman in here in our studio that gave us a little talk, which was very enjoyable. But he was noted for recording bird sounds. And he moved here to Brown County. And after moving to Brown County, he got interested in the frogs because they were so well, I guess recordable in his words. So he started recording these frogs and he brought in some samples and we talked to him and he had some peepers and some bullfrogs and just a whole bunch of different ones. But he happened onto a very rare and almost never seen frog. Only around a hundred, give or take, are ever seen per year across America. Some search and search throughout the country to find these frogs, but few are ever found. Only due to these recordings do we know that some of these frogs exist in Brown County, but they have yet to be seen. The recorded sound, forgive me, but this is my interpretation, is, uh, Who me? Who me? Who me? The name of these frogs is voters. They are voter frogs. Not sure where the name came from, but they are called voter frogs. Huh? These frogs are tinted in yellow, brown, black, red, and white. The browns and blacks are presumed to outnumber the whites, especially within perhaps a generation or two at the most. One of the reasons for their rarity is their mating rituals. The younger and more eager of these frogs come together for the annual yearly erection. A few come out only for the erection every two years. The strongest and most dedicated and mature voter frogs only come out every four years for the big erection. These have the most influence nationwide because the result of the four-year erection determines the leadership of the voters. So be as aware as you can of these voter frogs and report them to your local DNR. That way they might be captured and thus their propagation can be controlled. Who me? Who me? Who me? This is one of the oldest songs we do. It's called After You've Gone, 1918, Thomas Layton Music and Henry Creamer Lyrics. (laughs) 
listen to me, honey, while I say How could you tell me that you're gone away? Don't say that we must part Don't break my aching heart You know I've loved you truly many years Loved you night and day how could you tell it to me? Can't you see my tears? Now listen while I say After you've gone And let me crying After you've gone There's no denying You feel blue You feel sad You miss the bestest pal you ever had There'll come a time I don't forget it There'll come a time When you'll regret it Someday When you grow lonely Your heart will break like mine And you'll want me only After you've gone After you've gone away Thanks for tuning in to episode 42 of the Brown County Hour, recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville, and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. You can stream this or any of our shows from our website, www.browncountyhour.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our Woodwatch page devoted to informing the public about the dire situation our forest lands are facing. This show was produced by Jeff Foster, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, and Dave Seastrom. We would like to send out a big congratulations to our special guest host, Carrie Ray, for winning first place at the Blues Songwriting Competition held at the Smoky Mountain Writers Festival. Way to go, Carrie! We would also like to thank Slats Clue for our wonderful theme music. been listening.
listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.